you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Hi, everyone. It's Susan Rosen. I wanted to come on and just do a really short intro on this podcast. This podcast is one that I had done back at the beginning of the year, and I thought that I would bring it back because it's so applicable to all of us who are in the lockdown for having to be in our houses or our apartments. And this has to do with cleaning up clutter because this is a great opportunity for you to get started on cleaning up some of the clutter, assuming you have some, in your house or your apartment. Hope you enjoy it. And I will look forward to talking to you all next week. Hi there. This is your host, Susan Rosen. I hope everyone had a good holiday season. And now that we are back for the beginning of 2020, I came across an article that I thought was very appropriate to starting the new year. And that article is about clutter cleanup. And that's something that we definitely need here in my house, but my husband is working on his and I work on mine off and on, which I think I probably need to do more on, but actually, well, we won't get into that. Okay, let's talk about clutter cleanup. So they start out the article talking about Marie Kondo and her books, especially the first one, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, The Japanese Art of Decluttering and Organizing, and how it just kind of took the world by storm. Everyone was totally talking about it. I don't know how many people actually did it, but it was a huge, huge bestseller, and she followed up followed that up with a number of other books as well. It seems that they do know that clutter breeds emotional, what they call emotional chaos, at least for some people. Um, obviously, in my house, it doesn't bring on a lot of chaos. Both of us are, have a tendency to do piles and, and keep hold of things. Um, mostly books, magazines, those kinds of things. Anyways, I digress. Okay, so they were taught, they started talking about how decluttering can actually clear the mind and improve day-to-day functioning. So I could see where that, that could be, especially for some people. I know my mother was um, very much the other way. Nothing could be out of the way or in the way and there were no piles, and everything was absolutely, totally clean in her house. Maybe that's why I'm the opposite. Oh, well. So, turns out that there was a study that came out of Princeton University's Neuroscience Institute that they published in the Journal of Neuroscience, where they showed that, quote, multiple stimuli present in the visual field at the same time compete for neural representation. So I guess what that means is that if you see too much 
stuff that's around you, it makes you unable to focus and process information as well as if it wasn't there. They also quote from another study that was from UCLA that found that women who had cluttered homes did not show the decrease in the stress hormone cortisol that normally occurs over the course of the day. And they also experienced an increase in depressed mood. So that's really interesting. Um, So again, they also say that um, the impact of having a lot of clutter really varies from person to person. And that one person's mess may be another's expression, quote unquote, of a busy life well lived. So that's one way of looking at it. For some perspective on clutter, they went and interviewed Michael Tompkins, PhD, who is an assistant clinical professor of psychology at UC Berkeley, just down the street here. Not really, I'm not really actually in Berkeley, but on the other side of the bay. So he is also, it turns out, the recipient of a Lifetime Achievement Award for Excellence in Innovation Treatment and Research in the field of hoarding and cluttering. He got that from the Mental Health Association of San Francisco. And um, it looks like he has also written a book or co-authored a book. They asked him first off why decluttering has all of a sudden captured the public's attention in such a big way. And his answer was that we live in a culture where we just have a lot of stuff and many people are starting to feel challenged and overwhelmed by it. Um, that there's also an aging population and the problem of letting go and decluttering when you're in your twenties isn't the same as when you're in the close, I love the way they call it. He calls it the closing era of your life and not wanting the legacy of leaving it all for your children to clean up after you. I don't know. My husband and I haven't thought about that part. It seems that the Swedes have a term for not leaving your clutter for others to sort through, and it's called dostadning, meaning death cleaning. Interesting. Another question was, is there any real harm in having a lot of clutter? And he says that actually on a practical level, there actually can be real consequences of living in that kind of a highly cluttered environment. One of the things is that it can lead to social isolation because you don't invite people over because you're embarrassed about what your place looks like or how your place looks. And I can appreciate that one. I can definitely identify with that. Uh, We don't have anyone come over for exactly that reason. So I that one I can go along with. It says all he talks about also that you can also have issues with cleaning your house or home and which is different. We're not talking about decluttering here. We're talking about actually cleaning because it's you have to be able to access the floors and the counters and all of that. If they're highly cluttered, you can't. We don't have quite like that kind of thing. We have a lot of piles, but they are mostly on the floor. Um, And it says that they can be prone to collecting allergens and even mold, which is interesting. Um, So the other thing, which for me is probably something to think about, is that depending on the level of clutter, you could also be more at risk of falling over something and sustaining an injury. And, And I do that over cracks in the sidewalk. So 
um, I do have to spend, be a little bit more, pay more attention to what I, where I am and what I'm doing in the house. Um, okay, so then he says, if the level, but if the level of clutter doesn't reach a point where it's interfering with day-to-day living, um, as it does in something like hoarding, which I don't, I don't know, some people might think we do a little bit of that, but not as much as some people, um, then clutter isn't really compromising a person's life. So if you have a moderately cluttered home that doesn't limit your ability to function or focus and doesn't create unsafe conditions and you're not unhappy about it, then it's not really a problem. So what if you're somewhere in between? I don't know. I'll have to think about that one a little more. Um, and then they asked him about what it is about decluttering that makes people feel good. And he was saying that most people notice a lift in how they feel when they tidy up, which has to do with the effect that mastering an activity has on mood. And it gives you a sense of pride and accomplishment. Um, and for people, for some people, when they're feeling stressed, going in and decluttering their environment gives them some sense of personal control, which diminishes their anxiety level and provides some relief from the stress. So that's kind of interesting. Um, I, I know that I certainly do when I go through a pile and recycle or throw the stuff out. So, um, and then they asked him if it's so rewarding, why is it so hard for many people to do it? And he says that sometimes it's just a lack of time and energy at the end of the day when you get home and it just kind of gets in the way. And so it doesn't take long for the mail, the clothes, for instance, to pile up. And that sometimes depression with its symptoms of fatigue and hopelessness and so on and so forth um, can also get in the way. So if you're depressed, you might think, hey, what's the point? Why should I bother? And you never start. But if you tend to be anxious, you might also find it hard then to start a task because you get quickly overwhelmed. And I thought that was kind of interesting because I, I can see where that could happen. And then, but his, one of the things that he that he suggests is that you start small and that over time that'll help improve your mood, which then um, makes you feel better about working on some more and clearing out some more. So that's one of these kind of spiraling kind of things and you're spiraling up as opposed to spiraling down. And then they talk about what you can do with all of that stuff that you clear, which is donate it and so on and so forth. Uh, we do a lot of that. And then they also gave a decluttering checklist. Um, and some of these actually, I shouldn't be surprised, but they are very helpful. One of the things that they talk about is before you start, think about where you're going to move things when you declutter, for instance, if you have a lot of papers or you have a lot of books or something like that or, or anything, clothes, you take them out, you start sorting through them, then what are you going to do with them? You got to figure out, are you going to throw them out? You're going to give them away? You're going to put them back? Um, that's the kind of thing that you really do need to think about. And I know that from personal experience. And then they all, he also suggests, which I also agree with, which is to use three sorting categories, as he calls them, which is one that's keep, one that's discard, and one that's, well, you haven't quite made up your mind yet. Um, and then once you go through that, then you go back around the second time and go through the maybe stuff so that 
then you can maybe get rid of even some more. Um, he also suggests starting with small tasks, which of course works for everything, not just decluttering. And to break the work into small chunks of time, which again works for any kind of project, not just decluttering. The other, the last thing that's on here is to manage distractions to, so that you can stay focused. Because part of what can happen is that you start working on, let's say, one part of your desk or one part of a room. And while you're doing that, then you come across something else that's in another part. And pretty soon you're over there working. And then you've got two places where you're in the middle of it. So if you start, then either cover up what you're doing, move it someplace else where you're not going to be seeing other things that are going to distract you, and then finish what you're working on before you move on to some other part of the house or part of the room or part of your desk or whatever it happens to be. <clears throat> so a lot of these are, are good ideas. They are um, good steps in working through and getting things straightened out and organized. Um, and I actually may take some of them to heart and do a little bit of decluttering myself now that we've hit the beginning of the year and my shoulder is feeling better, which is why I have even more piles in my study than I used to because I was just putting things there, piling them up because I couldn't do much else with it. But now that I am able to, I think maybe I will kind of take one pile at a time and maybe, maybe one each day and try and go through it and we'll see where it goes. Okay, so that's it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that you got something positive out of it that you can take and use in trying to declutter or organize your own space. Would really appreciate it if you, if you wanted to leave me some comments and let me know whether any of this hit home quite as much as it did for me and what you've done about it in your own life. Other than that, let me say as usual that this podcast is not putting out any kind of medical advice. If you have any sort of medical issues, please go and see your own doctor and get their advice and let them take care of your issues because I am definitely not a doctor. Okay, that's it for today. And I will be talking to all of you next week. I hope you have a good week. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit HealthyTipsAfter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.